Hundreds of aftershocks rattling the Philippine province of Masbate. Public transport resumes as Metro Manila and nearby provinces ease COVID-19 lockdowns. And the Human Rights Watch denounces the recent killing of two Filipino activists. Good afternoon, I'm Ron Crow's Dateline Philippines begins right now. Hundreds of aftershocks continue to jolt Masbate province after Tuesday's 6.6 magnitude earthquake. The Philippine Institute of Volcanology and Seismology, or FIVOLC, says at least 280 aftershocks have been recorded as of Wednesday morning. FIVOLC warns residents to stay away from already damaged structures. The Philippine government admits it was not able to achieve the contact tracing target it set out for at the start of the two-week lockdown in Metro Manila. But Health Undersecretary Maria Rosario Verjera explains the goal was never to complete such tasks, but to lay out new and feasible strategies that can be improved over time. Instead of tracing 37 close contacts of a COVID-positive patient, the agency says it's assessing whether one to 10, a 1 to 10 ratio would work for now. The 1 is to 37, it is appropriate in Baguio City because their system was in place. But now in this uh, first two weeks that we had MECQ, we initially tried the 1 is to 10 so that our resources would be sufficient also. But of course, in the future, in the next weeks, we are looking at increasing these numbers as well. We did not say that in these two weeks we will be able to solve the problems in Metro Manila and also in the other regions uh, which are nearby. But we were saying that we are going to prime the system so that after these two weeks, the local governments will follow suit. Various forms of public transportation have resumed operations as Metro Manila shifts to a looser quarantine. Rail systems reopen at limited capacity Wednesday morning. More than 700 modern jeepneys are also plying 45 routes, while over 12,000 traditional jeepneys are back on the roads. The Transportation Department has also allowed some 3,600 buses in 31 routes, while UV Express units and taxis will serve commuters in Metro Manila. The no face mask and no face shield policies and temperature checks will be strictly implemented in all modes of public transportation. naman po yung pag-aaral ng LTFRB dyan kung makita nila na meron pang mga certain routes na kulang pa rin yung supply ng mga public utility vehicles nag nagbubukas naman po sila ng mga ruta at nagdadagdag ng mga authorized units. The National Task Force for COVID-19 releases new protocols for motorcycle back riding in areas under general community quarantine. Under the new rules, riders living in the same house no longer need to use a barrier between them. But those who do not will still need an approved backpack-like shield designed by ride-hailing firm Ancas. The pillion rider or back rider must also be an authorized personnel outside of residence, while the driver may or may not be one. Both of them must wear their face masks and full face helmets for the whole trip. Local authorities in areas under looser lockdown restrictions have the discretion to adapt similar guidelines based on their situation. 
Metro Manila mayors have agreed on a uniform curfew as the national capital region eases to general community quarantine. That's according to Paranaque Mayor and Metro Manila Council Chairman Edwin Olivares, who says the 8 p.m. to 5 a.m. curfew will be in place until August 31st. But working individuals and authorized persons outside residence are exempted. Metro Manila was earlier placed under a strict modified enhanced community quarantine along with neighboring provinces to curb the spread of the virus. Olivares says Metro Manila will be stricter in enforcing health protocols. The Philippine Human Rights Commission launches an investigation on the killing of activist Zara Alvarez. Alvarez was gunned down Monday while she was headed to her boarding house in Baholod City. Local police believe the motive for the killing may either be personal or work-related. Alvarez was a member of local rights group Karapatan and head of the Negros Island Health Integrated Program. The Secretary General of Karapatan Negros claims the killing of Alvarez was a result of the country's new anti-terror law. The Human Rights Watch denounces the killing of two activists in the Philippines. The victims, Zara Alvarez and Randa Lechanis, were killed in the last two weeks. The Human Rights Watch says their deaths underscore the widespread impunity of killings of leftist activists in the country. The group adds it also shows how the new anti-terror law can be misused as it empowers authorities to tag activists as terrorists. Human Rights Watch now calls on government to ensure the safety of all activists in the Philippines, citing a history of violence against them. The Philippine National Police threatens to file cases against those who posted photos showing its chief, Archie Gamboa, at a party without social distancing. Gamboa denounces what he calls a malicious posting, saying the pictures were taken in February, a month before the country imposed lockdowns. The PNP warns the public against spreading fake news and possibly violating the privacy of other people in the pictures. On Monday, Gamboa said he had dinner with Baguio City Mayor Benjamin Magalong last weekend, but he denied reports there was a live concert at that time in Baguio City. Gamboa said he plans to visit regional offices before he retires by early September. Back in May, Metro Manila Police Chief De Bolsinas drew flag for holding a birthday party during a strict coronavirus lockdown. It's official. Joe Biden is now the Democratic Party's presidential nominee. Biden reached a nomination following a virtual roll call across Welcome all states where he notched 1,991 delegate votes. He accepted the nomination from the Brandywine High School in Delaware, where his wife Jill taught as an English teacher. She also delivered a speech there to count the second night of the Democratic National Convention. How do you make a broken family whole? The same way you make a nation whole. With love and understanding and with small acts of kindness, with bravery, with unwavering faith. You show up for each other in big ways and small ones again and again. It's what so many of you are doing right now. That's the soul of America Joe Biden is fighting for now. Before the vote, prominent Democrats delivered scorching condemnations of U.S. President Trump, led by former U.S. President Bill Clinton. With the COVID-19 outbreak on a path to killing 200,000 people and destroying millions of jobs and small businesses. 
How did Donald Trump respond? At first, he said the virus was under control and would soon disappear. When it didn't, if you want a president who defines the job as spending hours a day watching TV and zapping people on social media, he's your man. Our party is united in offering you a very different choice, a go-to-work president, a down-to-earth, get-the-job-done guy, a man with a mission to take responsibility, not shift the blame, concentrate, not distract, unite, not divide. Our choice is Joe Biden. Here's President Donald Trump, meanwhile, hits the ratings of the first night of the Democratic National Convention. He says the party did badly. He adds, unlike Democrats who opted for a virtual event, he will do his nomination live. Well, their ratings were very bad. They just announced their ratings. I thought it was not the best television I've ever watched. It was brutal, actually. Uh, no, their ratings were very bad. I think we're going to do great. Uh, Thursday night, I'm doing it live. Unlike Michelle Obama, I'm doing it live. And it'll be Thursday night. It'll be at the White House on the South Lawn. And hopefully you'll enjoy it. TV viewership for the first virtual Democratic National Convention was down around 25% from the same night in 2016. Around 18.8 million people tuned into the event compared to 26 million four years ago. But Democrats say this was offset by high online participation with at least 10.2 million viewers. Several U.S. states sued the U.S. Postal Service even after the Postmaster General suspended his plans to implement operational changes in the agency. Washington is leading at least 20 Democratic states in blocking the changes at USPS. The states argue Postmaster General Louis DeJoy is trying to undermine mail voting at a time when most Americans are opting for mail-in ballots due to the pandemic. The litigation goes forward, and it is, of course, entirely possible uh, that here in the next, uh, in the coming days, that we would do what we often do, which is seek a motion of some kind of restraining order or injunctive relief that allows us to get into court right away uh, to put a stop to any actions that we believe are unlawful. We uh, will be considering measures we might be able to take to ease this burden. We might have additional drop boxes. We may have an additional campaign to make sure people understand when they have to return their ballots. But the most important thing we can do is to have a judge sit on top of the Trump administration and tell him to quit messing with democracy. That's what we really need. The Joy earlier planned to stop treating all election mail as first class, implement cutbacks in overtime pay, and ban late delivery trips. He postponed the operational changes until after the November elections. The planned changes in USPS came after U.S. President Trump repeatedly claimed mail-in ballots were prone to fraud. Mali's President Ibrahim Boubacar Keita resigns just hours after armed soldiers seized him from his home in a dramatic power grab. This follows months of anti-government protests demanding his ouster. Keita also announced his government and the National Assembly would be dissolved. His resignation was met with tears but by demonstrators, but the development was condemned by the African Union, the United States, former colonizer France, and the United Nations. Keita was democratically elected in 2013 and re-elected five years later. But support for him waned amid criticism over his government's handling of the insurgency.
Before we go, another act of kindness by a Filipino health worker. A company nurse on her way to work helps a homeless woman successfully give birth along a driveway in Makati City. 29-year-old Lorraine Pingol was waiting for her company shuttle Tuesday when she happened to pass by rescuers trying to deliver the street dweller's child. She cut the umbilical cord of the 31-year-old mother and her baby girl before an ambulance whisked them off to the hospital. Nagmamadali po ako kahapon ng umaga kasi madalit na ako sa trabaho. Tinanghali po ako ng gising kahapon. Sa totoo lang, tinanghali ako ng gising. Hindi po ako nakapag-alarm clock kasi noong gabi hindi ko na-sit. Kasi may tutulungan pala ako. Siguro yun ang ano yun ang purpose ng Diyos kung bakit na-late ako sa pag-gising. Ma'am Nurse, laki po ko sa salamat ng buong barangay sa inyo. Bayani po talaga ang mga katulad nyo. And that's today's edition of Dateline Philippines. Thanks for joining us. I'm Ron Cruz. You can watch highlights, recaps, and exclusive content of our shows online. Subscribe to the ANC YouTube channel, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. You can also listen to podcasts of ANC shows. Just search hashtag ANC podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google, and Stitcher. For feedback, email us at ancfeedback at abs-cbn.com. Stay with the news channel.